Welcome to the Colonial Church STA podcast. The vision of Colonial Church is to build an exciting, vibrant, Bible-based church right here in the heart of St. Augustine, Florida. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. going to continue talking about authority, which we talked about last week, and this is going to kind of be part two of the message that Matt preached last week, I need authority. But I want you to hear in this, Jesus loves you, and authority is for your good and for his glory. But it's actually for your good. It's to bring your life alive. It's not to box you in and hem you down. See, the enemy's version of authority is is you're set over here and, and nothing can really happen because you're so bound up by rules and a bunch of checklists that you have to check off to earn your way closer to God. God's version of authority is come really close to me, understand who I am, and then go out and walk in it and watch not only your life be full of freedom, but the people around you start to experiencing, experience the freedom of the God that you know. That's, that's a really different, those are two different versions of, of authority, right? Are you with me? <laughs> yeah. I think they're pretty different. So a few things we talked about last week was, number one, authority is essential and we need a covering. Authority is empowering. Authority is power released to us to empower others. And authority is a choice. It's a get to, not a have to. So let's open our Bibles. We're going to start in Matthew 8 and verse 5. So if you've got your Bible with you. I love the rustling sound of the pages. I got a Bible that's new-ish not too long ago, and it's starting to feel worn in, which is always a really good feeling. It's a little bit funny when you get a new Bible and you feel like it should be worn in, and you're like, if you're like a professional Christian, you're like, oh, people are going to judge me because these pages are too fresh. So you just like go home, you rub them up a little, take some highlighter. But mine is genuinely getting some like lines and highlighting through it, which I love because it reminds me of what I've been reading. And it's okay if yours is fresh and new. Can I just encourage you to start highlighting that thing up and write down the date of the message that you heard where that word or that particular scripture was preached because I love looking back through and seeing, ah, we've actually talked about this particular scripture I'm about to read this morning a few times this year, which is no surprise to me because I think when God wants to say something, often he'll say it a few times in a few different ways in a few different contexts. So we're going to read from uh, Matthew 8 this morning, and it says in verse 5, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their place at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. And 
We just want to be close this morning. We want to be close to you. We want to hear you. We want to know you. Holy Spirit, would you have your way in this place? Get me out of the way so you can say what you want to say. Holy Spirit, we want to hear in our hearts. We want to know you like we've not known you before. Father, we know that you're a good father and you love us. And Jesus, we know that you're close here this morning. You're close. And we want to lean into you. So Spirit, speak to us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So I think this is an incredible passage of Scripture. And I I really believe there's a lot that we can soak up as we read it. One of the things that stuck out to me as I began to study and read this Scripture was that the Roman centurion who came, not only did he leave his home and travel to where Jesus was because he knew that's where healing would take place. And a lot of you left your homes this morning, even though Jesus is with us all the time, you know what I'm saying? But you came here going, I'm, I'm actually going to lean into what God has for all of us collectively as the church this morning. So a lot of sim- there's a lot of um, symbolic things happening that I think are very similar to the church. But also, this Roman centurion came, and his understanding of who Jesus was and his authority... He knew the authority that Jesus carried was part of releasing the miraculous in his servant's life. So I believe that our understanding this morning of Jesus and who he is and his authority, if we can get that and carry it and carry it with faith in who we are, will be a part of releasing the miraculous in the lives of people around us. Jesus chose to use this centurion as an example. There's a reason that this is in Scripture. And you know, it says just at the bottom there, Jesus said, I haven't seen faith like this. And he says, and I tell you this, that many Gentiles would come from all over the world, from the east and the west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, those who for the kingdom was prepared will be thrown out into the outer darkness. In other words, you've got people who are having their eyes open to who Jesus is and understanding his authority, who are like, yes, God, I believe you are who you say you are. And then you've got people who've been steeped in religion their whole lives, who have known the word and been under the word, that will completely miss when Jesus arrives and is there to do what he said he was there to do. So Jesus uses this centurion's faith of an example That if we're not careful and we become too religious and steeped in all of these things that we believe are who Jesus is and all of these kind of authority rules and regulations that I talked about, we might miss the freedom that he's actually come to bring. And we might just miss the simplicity of having faith that Jesus just is who he said he is. Sometimes I think it's hard for us to just be okay with Jesus bringing a gospel that's simple and believing that he just is who he says he is. And sometimes we're reaching down to the depths, trying to pull all the the things that are deep and complicated about the word, and there are so many. It's a a never-ending well. You can jump in and you can get your feet wet and you can dive right down to the bottom and pull up. I mean, you never can exhaust the word of God with its depth and complexity. But some of us are so... So wanting the depth and complexity, complexities that we miss the simplicity of who Jesus is at the surface. So none of that even matters or makes sense. 
So we end up confused looking for all of this depth. And Jesus is like, do you even believe I am who I say I am? And are you doing the simplest things that I've asked you to do? Like go into all the world and make disciples. Or just love one another. Love God, love people. You know, he's set a table for us, and that's what it talks about in the scripture, that he's prepared a table, and a lot of people are going to miss it. And I don't know about you, but my RSVP to the wedding feast with the king of kings is yes. There's no, like, late text back, oops, I forgot to message you, which all the millennials are great at, including me. It is like RSVP yes as soon as that are you're invited comes through, right? <laughs> So not only do, does Jesus have authority, but he's given it to us. And I don't know about you, but I need authority. And I need authority that comes from him so that I can start to walk out what he has for me. And this is what it says in Luke 10. It says, he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Simple. He's given us authority. For what purpose? So that we would know him and that we would spend eternity with him and that others would come along with us. Simple. He gave us a commission in Matthew 28, and it was, Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So I just want to set up a little bit of a framework for what we're talking about this morning, right? We need to know who Jesus is, because how can you come under the authority of someone if you don't know who they are? We also need to understand that he's given authority to us, not just for us, but to empower those around us. It says it in his word that he's given authority to us, but then he's actually commissioned us to go out and use that authority to bring the gospel of good news to the people in the world around us. But if we want to be like him, it says doing all that I have commanded you in Matthew 28. So if we want to be like him and we want to do the things that, we, that he did, we have to know who he is. So I just wanted to take a minute and talk about who Jesus is. And I don't know if you've taken any time in the last few months to think about who Jesus is and who it is, this God that you serve and that you say yes to. But I think if we're going to start to walk in the authority that he's given us, we better know who he is, right? Jesus is the son of God. He put on flesh and left the glory of heaven to come to earth fully God and fully man. He was sinless, faultless, full of mercy and truth, and he died a sinner's death for you and for me. He carried the authority of heaven, and yet he only did what he saw his father doing. He was a man of authority, and he was a man under authority. This is what it says in Colossians 1. It says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all of the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. In him, in Jesus, 
All of the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace through the blood of his cross. So he has all authority. That is who Jesus is. He has all authority. In John 5, it says, The Father has life in himself, and he has granted that some life, the same life-giving power to his Son. And he has given him authority to judge everyone because he is the Son of Man. And in John 12, it says, For I have not spoken on my own authority, this is Jesus speaking, but by the Father who sent me, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And so I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. So he was all authority, and yet he was under the authority of the Father. You doing okay? <laughs> okay, great. A lot of scripture, but that's a good thing. Okay. So who is Jesus? Now, who is God? I thought about just reading all of Job 38 here, but I thought that might take a while and it could be a little bit inappropriate since that's not what actually we're talking about this morning. But if you will just understand with me that for the first 37 chapters of the book of Job, Job, who walks through this horrific life experience, is losing everything, just begins to question God. And fair enough, spends 37 chapters saying, where were you, God? Where are you, God? Who are you, God? And in chapter 38, God just begins to line line out who he is and where he was. And it's, where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Do you send forth the lightning from the heavens? Do you call out the thunder? And he just begins to say who he is. The God that we serve, the creator of the universe, the maker of everything that we see, who was and is and is to come, who was the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end. There is no one before or after him. That is the God who we serve. Revelations 22:13 says, I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. So to walk in this authority that Jesus gives us as believers, we have to know him. We have to know this God that we serve. You cannot represent him if you don't know how to represent him to the people around you, okay? <laughs> in my mind, this is a little bit, it can be a little bit overwhelming, okay? <laughs> That's okay if you're feeling a little bit like, wow, okay, I'm supposed to represent this God. It can be a little bit full on. So in my mind, I feel like God gave me this picture of, we'll just start when you're walking through Target, okay? It, you know you love walking. I think even the guys like walking through Target. I know you pretend like it's just the ladies, but I feel like you maybe just like it a little bit. It's great, isn't it, John? So here you are, you make it through the doors, and you start, like we always do, down the bathing suit section to the clothes section, casually make it across to the jewelry, possibly through the shoes. You maybe curtsy through the kid aisle because you're like, oh, that stuff's really cute. Maybe I could give it to somebody because I'm not having any more babies. And then you make it to the home section. No, thank you, Chip and Joanna Gaines. I've had my fill. I will not, in the name of Jesus, buy any more hearth and home. And then you make it down to the well-lit lighting section that just kind of draws you in because there's something that says this will make my home feel cozier, and it's fall. So I tend to want, I don't always, but I want to walk out with one of those gorgeous little Ames-style lamps that will just sit nicely in a corner and light my house. <sighs> They're so nice. And I felt like when I was thinking about this message, God showed me a lamp. 
You know, and we can go in and we can buy a lamp. And if you will, if you and I are the lamp, the well-styled target threshold lamp with our aims legs and our, I don't know, this is going too far. Yes. <laughs> if we are the lamp, if you just bought the lamp and took it home and set it in the corner, it wouldn't really do much, right? It would just be a cute lamp in the corner. You need to also make sure that when you're buying a lamp, you go and you find a bulb to put in it. Depending on what bulb you like, you might take an Edison or a 60-watt or a 70-watt, 75-watt, depending what you want your house to feel like. But you have to have a bulb that goes into the lamp in order for there to be a possibility of getting light out of the lamp. So you put in the bulb. But if you just took a lamp and put it in the corner of your house and screwed in a bulb, nothing's going to happen, right? It's not magic. You don't just, like, screw in a bulb and then there's light. You have to what? Plug it in. So if you and I are like a lamp, and Jesus is the light of the world, and Jesus said, I want you to carry what I carry, and all of his authority comes from the Father, and we don't plug into the source, then we're never going to light up. Okay? You can carry that analogy with you. You're welcome, Target. (laughs) But I think this is a really simple analogy of what authority looks like. You and I, just on our own, we're not going to do much. We might kind of look nice in a corner somewhere of somebody's house. (laughs) I don't know, put in a little effort. But we have to have the light of the world in us. And when we have the light of Christ in us, we know that he's always attached to the source. So that immediately taps us into the right power. So authority is never going to come from just us. The light bulb and the lamp are not working hard to pull electricity out of the wall. As soon as it connects, as soon as you're connected to the source, it just flows. That's why if you plug it in incorrectly, you might get a little shock, right? But as soon as you're tapped into the source, it just flows. So authority doesn't need to feel like this massive thing to wrap our heads around. You just simply need to know who Jesus is, who God is, and you need to tap into the source. So here's some points for you. Number one, when we're talking about why we need authority, we need authority for others. We are given authority, and Jesus has given us authority like when he commissioned the disciples. He gives us authority for others to go out into the world and to share the good news of the gospel that's changed your life. Authority is not just for us. It's for others. And if you're taking the right authority, the last thing that you can do is keep it bottled up inside of you for yourself. Like this is a power trip. Authority is not for you. And if it's a power trip, you've tapped into the wrong authority. Because soon as as soon as you understand the authority that Jesus has given you, you're going to want to go and help people. Just like as soon as Jesus came down to earth, his purpose was to help people, to bring good news. Right? It wasn't to abolish the a law, but to fulfill the law. And it was to take something that it kept people far from God and unable to be close to God and to fulfill it so that they could come close. Not to say, you missed all of these things. I am the authority and you're 
I'm here to judge you and to condemn you and tell you all the things you didn't do right, but actually to fulfill the law and make a way for people to come close. So why do we need authority? We need it for others. It's, it's not enough for us just not to understand this principle in Scripture because there are people around us that need us to get it. The Roman centurion used his position of authority and his understanding of authority, even as a Gentile, to come in and to access this, the healing that his servant needed. His under, understanding of authority released a miracle in his servant's life. And your understanding of authority can release miracles, not just for yourself, but for people around you. And I just, my son was running around a little bit when I was preparing this message one day, and, and he's obsessed with chocolate. Like, I mean, like, really obsessed. Like, like, he gets really sad if he sees chocolate and he can't have it, like, heartbroken. And for some reason, I'm a woman of pictures, but... If we imagine our authority, I imagine it like a big chocolate fountain. <laughs> you know, like one of those ones you see at weddings that like I'm low-key scared that I'm going to get like re-dip chocolate in if I like go into it because I'm a little bit funny about germ, germ stuff. But if you'll imagine it like a big chocolate fountain, right? And every tier drops chocolate to the tier below and every tier carries something and you need all those tiers so everybody can get all the chocolate but the tiers on themselves are just metal right what really counts is what's coming through the fountain and that comes over and the more that these tiers release what they've been given the more chocolate gets to the tiers around them and actually this is just a little tier up here that's been given the chocolate first but because of the overflow of that tier there needs to be bigger and bigger and bigger tiers below it to carry all the chocolate. <laughs> authority from heaven is a little bit like that. You might think, oh, I'm under authority, or maybe I'm not leading this whole thing, or maybe I'm not where I want to be yet. But actually, it's all right. Because if you just sit where you're supposed to sit and be positioned where you're supposed to be positioned, the person that you think is here with the authority is getting authority, yes, and is getting filled and is, is tapping into the source. But, oh, my gosh, just sit around for long enough and you're going to be in a giant pool of chocolate. You know what I'm saying? It's okay. You don't have to be worried about where you are on the authority scale because God isn't looking down going, oh, well, they're there and they're there and they're there. He's actually just saying, I've just positioned you where you're supposed to be positioned to carry the authority that I've called you to carry. And if you'll just stay there, there's so much chocolate for everybody. It's <laughs> plenty of chocolate for everybody. And you can carry more chocolate than you ever thought you were going to get if you just stay positioned where I've called you to be positioned. <laughs> We love Jesus, coffee, and chocolate. <laughs> Point number two is authority repositions. So authority is for others, and authority repositions. This is what it says um, in the passage we are reading in Matthew. But the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say, go, and they go, or come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. So right positioning, and if we're where God has positioned us, it doesn't lead us to an unhealthy, I'm in charge here kind of authority. 
And maybe you've experienced that kind of authority before that was hurtful and like, I'm in charge, this is my thing. It actually replaces us into humility and it repositions us with humility. And that's what happened when this Roman centurion came to Jesus, a man that understood authority, understood the authority he was coming into. And he repositioned himself. Instead of being the man that was in charge, he became the man that was surrendered to the authority that he understood Jesus carried. And he humbled himself saying, you don't even have to come into my house. I'm not worthy for you to come into my house. Just say the word here and he'll be healed. And I think that's a word for us this morning because authority, when we really come under it and understand it, it should reposition our hearts to a place of humbleness that we even get to be given the authority that Jesus has given us to carry it out into the world around us. So it never comes with a, I see what you did, or a judgmental hierarchy standpoint. It always comes from a place of, I can't believe that Jesus would entrust us with this. And it's not just for me. It's repositioned my heart to humbleness so that I can turn around and my life can be all about others. Because authority should always empower the people around you. Is that good, church? One thing I've definitely come to realize, the older I've gotten and the more life I've lived and the the different things that I've walked through is that the more I know about God, the more I know about Jesus, the closer I come, I realize the less that I know. Does anybody else feel like that? The more I know, the less I know. And even just bringing a word this morning, it's like diving into an ocean and trying to pull out three beautiful shells when you're like, but look at it all. It's amazing. How am I supposed to pick three little pieces from this and bring? I don't even know where to start. And so all I can say to you is you might feel like the more you know, the less you know, but just go jump in the ocean because it's endless. And I'm just going to move right into point number three, which is authority fuels faith and it brings freedom. Authority fuels faith and it brings freedom. Authority doesn't create faith, doesn't make faith. You know, you don't, you don't go out and say, I'm going be- to believe that God is going to do this, and when he does it, then I'll have faith so that he'll do other things, and then I can trust him. You actually just come with faith and believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And when you see the God that you serve, and you see who he is, and you start believing that he is who he says he is, and you start to see him working on behalf of those around you, it's like, it's like stoking the fire of faith that's been burning inside of you. It's just a stoked, and God does that with so many areas in our lives as believers as we grow. When we just bring faith, it's like he just adds. He adds to the fire with all of these beautiful principles and scripture that he's put around us. So it's fuel to the fire of faith in our lives. And faith is the assurance, it says in Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the assurance, in the Amplified it says the title deed or the confirmation, the assurance, it's ours, the assurance that it's ours of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality, faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. Authority fuels faith and brings freedom. When you understand authority 
and you've surrendered to the authority you're under and the power source that you're connected to, it fuels faith. Faith exists before this revelation of God's entrusting us to be a part of his divine and beautiful plan to rescue the earth. But knowing that we get to be a part of seeing the people he created live free is absolutely life-shifting. Instead of watching our friends suffer, live in sickness, live in pain, we start to understand that because of the authority that God's given to us, that Jesus has imparted to us, we get to speak life over them. And we get to call out healing and health. And like God and Jesus instructed us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, the same as it is on earth, as it is in heaven. Not in our strength, but in his strength. Not lamps trying to draw with our own strength some power from a source that we're not connected to, but actually just getting close and understanding who he is because our authority is for others. And our authority, when Jesus gives it to us, repositions us to a place where we know we desperately need him. And then out of that, our authority fuels the faith that we carry and have brought to the Lamb of God. And it brings freedom for us and the people around us. And if I can just share a, a quick story when, when Jack, our chocolate-loving son, <laughs> said yes to Jesus and Colonial Kids, he was given this beautiful little certificate that said, We're, I have decided, and, you know, it's just this thing letting us know that he said yes to Jesus, and a Mayday gift card. It's so cute, the best. We love Mayday. And he was so excited about the gift card. I mean, he was, like, pumped because it said Mayday, and there was pictures of ice cream on it. And that means chocolate because he always gets chocolate. Um, you know, but Jack didn't really understand that the gift card you took to Mayday, and by using the gift card, you could access the ice cream. So if you'll just imagine that Jesus has given you and I authority to do the things that he did and to be the light of the earth here, his light shining through us, and to see healing and freedom come to the people around us, He's given us that. That's like a gift card. He said, this is yours. But if all we do is hold on to the gift card and talk about how awesome it is that we have this card and we never actually go and use it and access what God's given us to use it for, then what are we doing? You would look at my son and go, oh, buddy, that's nice that you have a gift card. You have to go there and use it. <laughs> That's when the good stuff starts, and you and I are holding a gift card. And if you haven't accessed it yet, can I tell you, all you got to do is lean in and start to learn who Jesus is. He will be all you need. He is the source. You just plug in, and you start doing the things that we see him doing in Scripture. And you've tapped into the power, the power source. It's for our good, it's for his glory, and it's for those people around us that he's positioned us around to bring his light and life to the world. So I don't know if that's, if you this morning have never leaned in, you've never put your faith in Jesus, can I just encourage you that today's the day? Because when God brings a light 
or a spark. You start feeling your spirit shift when you're sitting in a room like this and you might not understand it yet, but you just know that everything in you is saying yes to Jesus. Now's the time to say yes to him because right now you're a lamp. You're just a lamp and you might look beautiful. Can I tell you, you were meant to light up. You were created to light up and to bring light to the people around you. So I just want to encourage you this morning. Pastor Matt's going to come up and he's going to close out the service and kind of lead us through the next part of what's happening. But I just want to encourage you to say yes to him. Because this is a room that's meant to be a bright light in the world around us. Not for just us. Okay? But for others repositioned in humbleness. With faith fueled and living in freedom. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We would love to connect with you. Join us on Sundays at church or visit us at www.colonialchurch.life.